Stanley just drank OJ out of my mug and didn't seem to realize that it wasn't his hot coffee. So the question has to be asked, is there no limit to what you all notice? It's a sudden level of word for purse. Well done. Yeah, how, how observant are you? How observant are you throughout your daily life? What are you missing that's happening all around you? Right? I guess the bigger question I want to ask today is, how often are we in awe of God? How often do we really step back and, and ponder the amazingness of God? And how often does this become, you know, it's God. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a, a really cool series of um, videos on YouTube called People Are Amazing. And they're really well done. And uh, they're edited really cool. And they have great music. And the, the whole video is, or these series of videos, is people doing amazing things. Right. So you got people on bikes and you got skateboards and people doing parkour and, you know, a guy hitting a golf ball into a cup. I mean, it's just these bizarre things. And uh, through most of the video, your mouth is open and saying, how are these people not in Centricare? How is this happening? It's truly fascinating. I was just telling Chip about this. After about the first three minutes, you're like, there are exclamations coming out of your mouth. That's amazing. How is this happening? But then something happens. About five minutes in, it's a 10, 15 minute long video. You stop saying anything and you just watch. It's still amazing. But it's not, there's a glaze that comes over you and you don't exclaim anymore and something happens and you're, and you're just watching people do amazing things but you're not caught up in it anymore. What is that? We live in a society now where you need more and more stimulation don't we? There are now movie theaters out where your seat will literally shake and you will smell things in the theater, right? This was partly created because people were watching stuff now and saying, meh, where are we headed? <laughs> what comes next? Is George Clooney going to literally do the movie in front of us now? I mean, where do we go from the seat shaking? This is happening, and the scary thing for us Christians is, is it happening to us and God? 
Are we getting to the point where we read the Bible, but we sort of ho-hum ourselves through the pages? Think about this. If I were to take this book, and I were to give it to someone to read who had no idea what this was, no idea who God was, and they were reading it for the first time, do you think that they would be, that their first remark to us would be, wait, wait a minute, wait. God spoke, and the universe happened? Well, wait, 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 wait. God split a sea, and then a million people walked across it on dry land. Well, hold on, oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Wait, you're saying that people in the desert, millions of them, were hungry, so God caused birds to fall out of the sky and land all around them so that they could eat. Millions of people. Is this what you're saying? I mean, is this your God? You would say, yeah. And you believe in him. Yes, yes, I do. And you're telling me that this God adopted you because you believed in his son. Yes. Yes, you believe all that. You believe this, all of this, which is amazing. This person has no idea, remember. And you're telling me that you don't know where you're going to get the extra money to fix the refrigerator. Can you see this? And this happened in the first two chapters of the Bible. How often are we reading the book and flipping the pages and be like, yeah, I don't know, yeah. Well, yeah, guy raised from the dead. Okay, this happened. All right. You don't have to go into the deepest parts of the Amazon to find someone that is aghast at Christians who live with so much fear, who claim the God that we claim and sing the songs that we sing, Right? And are aghast at us at saying, and you live with so much fear in your life? You can find that in your office. We read the Bible, we do, and we just flip the pages sometimes. But how often do we really stop and think about what just happened? What God did? And the fact that God is still doing it now. Think about this for a moment. Have we, when we read the Bible, have you ever done this where Lazarus is raised from the dead and you think, okay, hold on. His body was in the grave for four days. Jesus stood in front of the grave and spoke. And this man, who has been deteriorating in a grave for four days, suddenly has new blood and a heart has been regenerated in a moment. And he steps up and walks out. How many times have we heard this story? We've been hearing it since we were seven in Bible, in Bible classes. And yet, have we stopped and thought, wait a minute, that is astounding when you think about it. Let's give it a try for this morning. Some of us complain in here that it's too cold. <laughs> Don't we? The fact that you're cold is an amazing thing. The fact that you can feel that you're cold is amazing. 
your body is regulating your temperature, right? You're too cold, you're too hot. This is all done by something called the hypothalamus. It is the size of an almond. It is a gland that is inside your brain that regulates your body temperature, that wakes you in the morning. It deals with you as far as telling your body when to sweat. And then this little gland talks to another gland, which is called, Beverly, the pituitary, which is the size of a pea. This gland tells your adrenal glands when to get excited, when to do all of this stuff. It talks to your liver. Both of these things are talking to each other, sending messages to each other through your blood. This is just a sliver of what goes on in your body. Isn't that astounding? How does this happen? How is it going on? How are doctors who work on the human body every single day, not every one of them Christians, how can they look at the human body and walk away and not be astounded at what happens in the human body? And that is just the, the endocrine system. Part of it. Size of a pea. Your body can heal itself. You cut yourself and your body can heal itself. Isn't that amazing? How does this happen? Who did this? Here's a trivia question. What is the only body part that can heal itself? Anyone? You're hearing? No, your, your eardrum can, your, your ears can fix. It's actually your teeth. Your teeth are the only part of them. Uh, I love trivia. <laughs> anyway, how about this? Yesterday it was 81 degrees. Today it's going to be 60. It dropped 20-some degrees. That's called the jet stream. Isn't that amazing? Do you realize that right now, right now, we are spinning at a thousand miles an hour. We are. Here's the amazing thing. If we were spinning 10 miles an hour faster, we couldn't be sitting in our chairs. We would be flat to the ground. If we were slower, we would be floating in the air. We are spinning and it's exactly 1,040 miles an hour to keep us all here so that we can still throw a baseball, hit a golf ball into the woods if it's me. We can still run. We can do these things. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it? Have you thought about these things? Do you realize that we're experiencing right now winter? Why? How does that happen? Do you know that the earth is tilted at 23.5 degrees? Not 26, not 22. We are at 23.5 degrees. And the earth is spinning at 1,000 miles per hour. It is done this way so that we can have seasons. Right? Australia right now is in the middle of summer. If you watch the Australian Open, down there where they're having a tennis tournament right now, all their faces are beet red. They're in the middle of summer. Not us. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it more amazing that we all climbed up out of the mud? That this all happened with a big bang in the universe. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that nuts how that happened? We evolved from apes. Isn't that nuts? Let me read something to you. Psalm 150. Hallelujah. Praise God in his holy house of worship. Praise him under the open skies. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his magnificent greatness. I just told you two things. 
There's a channel, not a channel, there's something that is uh, on Netflix called BBC Earth. And they do documentaries about the Earth. And they're fascinating. They are done so well. They talk about animals, they will do whatever. Weather, and they're done really well. They actually had a, a camera on the ground that, that um, dollied or moved with a mouse running through the weeds. How do they do this? It's amazing. Anyway, I watched one on the migration of birds. Do you know that the hummingbird, which weighs less than a nickel, flies 2,000 miles without stopping over the Gulf of Mexico? A hummingbird flies over the Gulf of Mexico without stopping. A butterfly migrates to Mexico. The ones that eat in your garden fly to Mexico. A butterfly. Have you ever seen them move? How are they doing this? We can't even navigate ourselves across town without GPS. They're doing this. How are they migrating? The Pacific salmon. Just stay with me. Stay with me. The Pacific salmon, after years of being in the sea, will migrate back to the, uh, the, um, the British Columbian coastline to the very spot where they were spawned. They will travel 3,000 miles and swim up streams and inlets all the way to the exact gravel bed where they were spawned. How does this happen? The narrator of this particular episode was struggling to say how it happened. He even said, we don't know how this happens. And I'm saying, it's God. I can't stop watching these things and not marveling at God. It is amazing. Let me pull back on this one picture just a little bit, just for a moment. The salmon feed hundreds of animals, right? Orcas, sea lions, sharks, grizzlies, wolves. If the salmon don't make this run, animals can't feed. The salmon begin their, their journey in right around, right around early July, in the early part of summer. They start it. The British Columbian tropical forest gets nine feet of rain. Nine feet of rain. But by then, the summers, the, the rains haven't started yet. So if the rain doesn't happen, the streams don't swell. If the streams don't swell, the fish can't swim up it. The grizzlies have already come down from the mountains from hibernating and they're starving. They're looking for the food. They're waiting on God to move, to bring the food up the stream. God brings the rain, the, the streams and flood and swell. There's enough water for the salmon to continue their journey all the way up into the, into the uh, inlands of British Columbia. And they feed the animals as they go. Here's the other amazing thing. When the wolves and the bears get the salmon, they take them off into the forest and eat them. And then they leave the carcass behind. Hundreds and thousands of carcasses are left out in the forest. When they deteriorate and rot, they feed the trees. And it all starts again. This is one time at one event. And God feeds all the animals of the world. And we're concerned and worried that God won't give us a job. When every animal, every weather system, God has his hand on. 
is moving. How often do we drive to work and we see the beautiful painted morning? We don't even see this anymore. God paints the sky every morning. Psalm 147, praise the Lord. How good to sing praises to our God. How delightful and how fitting. He counts the stars and he calls them all by name. How great is our Lord. His power is absolute. Sing out your thanks to the Lord. He covers the heavens with clouds. He provides rain for the earth and makes the grass grow in mountain pastures. He gives food to the wild animals and feeds the young ravens when they cry. Our God is amazing. How often do we step back and take a a look at this and then look at our lives? A few years ago, um, there was a man that was playing the violin in a DC metro. Um, It was in the winter and it was rush hour in the morning. And this man opened up his box and he started playing violin. Beautiful music flowed through the tiled tunnels. After about 10 minutes, somebody came by for the first time and threw money into his case. After about 15 minutes, a child stopped and wanted to listen, but the parent yanked them on. After about an hour, the man played, he received about $30. In that time, 2,000 people walked past this man. In all of those people, only six adults stopped, and only for a moment. And every single one of these adults looked at their watch and moved on. Every single child that walked past wanted to stop and stopped, and every single parent pulled them on. Turns out the man who was playing the violin wasn't just anyone. He was a world-famous violinist named Joshua Bell. Just two days before this happened, he played a sold-out concert in that city. People couldn't even find seats. And he was here for free in the subway, playing intricate Bach pieces on a violin that cost $3.5 million. And six adults stopped for a moment, and every child did. There is still a group of people that marvel and ponder at this world. And you know who they are? They're children. Children will ask us some of the most profound, simplest questions, and yet they will stump us, won't they? How does this happen? Why does this work? I don't know. I just kind of assumed it did. How many times do you get in your car? I don't know how this is working and that is working and what's going on and why the car stops and I don't know. I don't know. It's funny how people walk around the world saying, I don't have faith to believe in your Jesus. Well, you have faith to get in your car, don't you? You have faith that that car is going to stop. You have faith to get in that plane, don't you? You have faith. It's no wonder that Jesus implores us to look up from our spreadsheets and look at the world around him. And become more childlike. You know, the world looks at Christians as being stupid. Because you have faith in something you don't even see. You can't explain it. You're dumb. You don't believe me? Look at the late night talk shows. How they make fun of Christians. 
Jesus was the most childlike person to ever walk the earth. Was he stupid? Listen to Matthew 18. For an answer, Jesus called over a child whom stood in the middle of the room and said, I'm telling you once and for all that unless you return to square one and start over like children, you're not even going to get a look at the kingdom, let alone get in. Whoever becomes simple and elemental again, like this child, ranks high in God's kingdom. Children stop. They look at things, they wonder why, and they marvel. Are we losing this ability, especially at our God? I know that we're all, uh, we're all, we all know how children think and talk. We are, a lot of us are parents. But I want to remind you by showing you a video about how the difference between what happens to us as adults and what happens with kids and how they think and look at the world. Take a look at this video. Like, why? I'm the 
Isn't that stunning? Isn't that so refreshing? Mermaid tails, <laughs> legs of a cheetah, and a mouth like a shark. <laughs> that's like something I read in Revelation. <laughs> when, when, did we, when did we stop being children? Why does God implore us to be more like children? To keep our hands in his hand. And when we can say, I don't know how to fix this problem. And God's saying, you don't have to. Just keep your hand in mine. I haven't talked about probably the greatest mystery of all. The one that we miss and probably don't even speak about a lot of churches. 364 days a year. Seems like there's one day we'll talk about this. Let me read a verse in Isaiah 1. It says this, No matter how deep the stain of your sins, I can remove it. I can make you as clean as freshly fallen snow. Even if you are stained as red as crimson, I can make you as white as wool. Jesus says, Behold, I make all things new. This is the greatest miracle of all that he gave himself on the cross for us and makes us new, transforms us. Do we ponder this or only on Easter? We as adults get ourselves so wrapped up in our worry and our fear. In Genesis 15, Abraham is in angst and agitating over how God is going to do what he said to him. I'm going to give you a child. Abraham is 70, 80, 90, 100 years old, whatever it is. And he's in his tent saying, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. I really don't. And what does God say to him? He says, I want you to come outside the tent and I want you to look up. He said, I want you to look at the stars. Do you think that silenced Abraham? The size? God was saying in that moment, I want you to look at me and not look at how this is going to happen. Very often, we sit in our tents of worry and we try to figure things out. And we build the ceiling. And God says, would you step outside of this for a moment and look at me? And look how big and amazing our God is still doing the things of the Bible. He is still working. Miracles are happening every single day. Chip last week spoke about worship and he used the one word that stayed with me all week and that is perspective. When we worship, we get things put in alignment, don't we? And when we look at God, the same thing happens. 
Today, or today, this week, I held the hand of a man dying of cancer. He's a little older than me. And there was, his face was a mask of fear. He did not want me to speak about Jesus. He allowed me to pray with him, but he was afraid. And I didn't know what to do. This was a man standing at the doorstep of eternity. He did not look well. He looked like he was dying. And he was. He is. And I just asked him, I said, do you have any questions? I was just hoping the door would open. And he said, no. So as I left him, he looked me in the eyes and he said, well, guess I'll see you. He didn't believe that. I didn't believe it. He wasn't leaving that alone. Outside of a miracle, I left that room. Just my spirit was so agitated, not because of the man standing at eternity and still not wanting an answer. But in some ways, a lot of things were put in perspective for me. I get so angry at traffic. I get upset at Emma for things. And I just, I walk away saying, did I really need to be that upset? Did I need to be upset at traffic? That guy cut me off. Okay. When we look at God, he puts things in perspective for us. It opens our soul to praise. It just does. Listen to Psalm 66. This is in the message. I love how this says this. It says, take a good look at God's wonders. They'll take your breath away. He converted sea to dry land. Travelers crossed on foot. Now isn't that cause for a song? This week, starting today, I pray that we would all Take a breath and read the Bible slower and reread the miracles and think about what it would take in the natural to split a sea and how long it would take to dry the land for them to walk over. And God did that in an instant. He is good and He's amazing. And he's still God, and he loves us, and he's for us. Our problems seem so small, so small, when we put them next to God. But this has to be intentional. It does. Otherwise, we'll go right back to looking at QuickBooks and why our finances are not adding up. Let me pray for us. Father, how can we speak your name without shouting for joy? You are magnificent. Father, I ask your forgiveness that we do not praise you as we should. We find other things to praise, God, and we will praise them joyfully. But God, we shortchange the praise that is due you, Father. The fact that we are breathing now We praise your name this morning. 
God, I pray that all of us would become so sensitive, so aware to the world around us, to the little things that you do every morning and every day that we miss. I thank you that the sun rises and sets, the seasons change, the rains come. Every day is beautiful. And we give you glory and praise. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for making a way you have rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of your Son. And you did this with your blood, Father. Thank you, Jesus. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, we pray these things. <coughs> Amen. 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 God is good. Amen. Have a great week. Have a great week. God is good.